Hi everyone, it's Crypto Dentist here. So we've got a new sponsor, and we are really excited about this one. It's Macrodisiac, the man, the myth, the legend himself, David Bell. David has recently launched his weekly Macrodisiac email, which is essentially a trader's guide to macroeconomics for less than half a cup of coffee a day. If you follow him already on Twitter under the at Macrodisiac underscore handle, don't forget the underscore there, so that's at macrodisiac underscore, then you'll know already the kind of critical analysis that he brings to the table from his trading background. You'll get a weekly email covering all kinds of macroeconomic themes and topics from the likely impact and effects of central bank and government policy statements to David's own views on the markets and trade ideas he's looking at. So if you want to sign up to his newsletter, it's $24.99 a month. That's £24, British pounds and pence, $24.99 a month with 30 days free and he'll soon be accepting Bitcoin. So if you're looking for a unique take on the markets, the global economy and how it all hangs together, then sign up now. The link is in the show notes, so head on over there and you can sign up. And don't forget... We still have our other key sponsor, independent author Chris Hannon, who has penned a book that is being compared to The Hunger Games and Maze Runner, and it's called Orca Rising. That's Orca Rising, which has been nominated for the People's Book Prize. Head over to Amazon now and pick up a copy before Hollywood buys the film rights. You can't really consider yourself to be a crypto whale without having a copy of Orca Rising on your desk, can you? This is JJ Global, and welcome to Crypto and Grow. Hi everyone, let's crypto and grill. It's Crypto Dantes here with Stig of the Pump. Stig, what's going on? Getting close to summer, aren't we? We are. The weather's getting a bit nicer as well. I tend to always seem to give a weather update or where I'm located update. I think we, weather update today. I think we have a cult following now, just based on your your sort of banal updates. But um, I'll take it. Any uh, any audience is a good audience. Um, so. Um, Today we are joined by two very interesting guests and we're delighted they've agreed to record this episode with us. Over the last few episodes we've been focusing on regulation um, and that was a great conversation with the SEC that we had a couple of weeks back or a couple of episodes ago. The overall outlook for Bitcoin and crypto and a deeper um, conversation into the mindset of newly developing and emerging crypto businesses. Um, and that's one thing that we wanted to to get deeper in and uh, invite more uh, companies on that are growing uh, businesses in the Bitcoin and the crypto space. So with that in mind, I'd like to introduce Sean Kinnan and Stephanie Ramsan from DAG Global. Welcome both. Thank you. Thank um, you. It's great to have you. Um, so not many people will at this stage, hopefully that will change in the near future, but uh, not many people will be familiar with your, your business, DAG Global. So before we get into the detail of, uh, of the podcast and, and explore it in more detail, why don't you give us your sort of 30 second overview pitch of what it is um, to help people understand uh, what you do, who you are, and uh, give some context for the rest of the session. 
Sure. Thank you very much. Uh, DAG is a, a startup. We're seeking to set up a, a bank here in the UK uh, that is crypto friendly. So we'll be banking both um, fiat um, for traditional companies uh, in the SME space and also crypto companies, uh, which are currently largely unbanked in the UK. Um, we're working with the regulator right now on our application. And most of our backgrounds are bankers or regulated persons. So we understand, we hope, what the regulator is looking for. Okay, so is that uh, is that something that is new? Is it uh, has it been around for a while and it's it's changed shape, um, or um, or is it completely ground up build um, because you've seen an opportunity here that, uh, that looks like this space is going to explode and uh, you want to exploit that? Yeah, uh, so DAG has been around for over a year. Um, obviously, it takes a while to get a, a new banking license um, from scratch. So we're still in the progress of, of doing that, but we anticipate um, the initial approvals by end of this year and full approvals hopefully next year. Uh, there are currently no banks we're, we're aware of in the UK that actively accept uh, crypto companies, um, even for their sterling or euro deposits. Um, so we're quite excited to, to, to get this set up and help that sector grow. Okay. And, and, and so before we uh, before we dig into the detail of, uh, of what uh, DAG is, uh, I guess at, at a uh, deeper level. Um, what are the backgrounds of yourself, Sean, and, and yourself, uh, Stephanie? So um, I've worked in financial services for uh, just over 15 years. Uh, majority of my experience have been in sales and trading roles. Started in the city in 2005 with Bloomberg in a sales role. Then from there, I went into equity derivative sales trading. Um, I've also uh, worked in corporate finance houses and also consultancies. Sean and I have known each other as friends for quite a few years now, and we decided that we wanted to start something together. Um, and a mixture of sort of my sales experience and Sean's more practical experience within the crypto world, which he'll tell you more about, it seemed like a good combination. Cool. Thanks, Stephanie. Um, yeah, so I, I've, I've been a banker for, for a while. I moved to the UK in 2010 within Credit Suisse uh, to build in a UK bank within one of their divisions. So I've been through been through that rodeo um, uh, with the FSA at the time, uh, and a few other members of the team, including our CFO uh, Claire Bright, uh, uh, have also built banks before. Have been in startup banks, and she was the head of treasury for Egg, uh, the first digital bank in the UK. Um, and my own background, most recently, was as the London COO of the the first bank in the world, which was a Swiss bank, to do regulated banking for digital assets. Um, so working with the Swiss regulator, then uh, the UK regulator now, uh, we're looking to do, we hope, something that will be uh, uh, quite innovative for, for the UK PLC to, to, to grow the, the digital economy here. And, 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 so, and so how do you, you guys get together and um, how did the, the concept behind DAG come about? So DAG came about initially in, in my last job, actually. I, I was getting lots of cold calls uh, from UK companies just asking for bank accounts. Um, and unfortunately, my last bank uh, didn't really accept SME or corporate banking accounts. It was a private bank. Um, and corporates have very different requirements to, to individuals. They need payments made. They need um, rapid service and low cost. Um, so what Stephanie and I were discussing is how, how do we get this going in a way that could meet the demand of clients? Um, and we, we thought the best way to do this was by setting up a new a new bank. Um, and so we formed a team. I mentioned Claire, but there's quite a few of us now uh, to, to get that going. So once you'd um, 
developed the concept or, or decided to that there was an opportunity here. How did you hone in on um, on what the sort of value proposition of DAG Global was or is? Um, is it a result or a reaction to the fact that a lot of people that set up businesses involved in cryptocurrency or, or Bitcoin um, can access um, traditional banking uh, partners? Um, for one reason or another, they seem to be having trouble uh, getting bank accounts. Um, or is it actually what you're seeing here is an explosion in blockchain technology, um, a new wave of uh, customers looking for a different relationship with their bank, um, and you're trying to tap into that? Um, or is it a bit of both? Um, keen to get I your think, thoughts. Yeah, I think it's a mixture of both, but uh, surprisingly to a lot of people who have got to know us and been following us and our investors, it's actually been more driven um, by the, the former rationale you mentioned rather than the latter. We're not here to just um, make a quick buck on the fact that there's you know a lot of explosion, as you say, in the, the blockchain and crypto community and looking to, to make a quick buck off the back of that. What we're doing is confronting a really fundamental problem in that banking is quite broken, in our opinion. So this um, is very much translated uh, through the lack of banking facilities for the crypto businesses, but it's actually indicative of a much more um, fundamental and broader problem across the space, especially in the UK and, and Europe. So what we started with is, okay, there's a core um, of our products uh, and our banking proposition that will be to bank crypto companies. But we saw a much bigger scope for what we're doing and going out into the SME space using digital instruments, whether the companies are crypto centric or not. They could be an SME, um, a, a technology firm, an accountancy practice, an agricultural business. But all of these people come under uh, what some people refer to as the underbanked or the unbankables, especially if they're, they're startups or fintech. For example, a lot of new fintechs that's springing up in the space and just because of their lack of maturity are struggling to get bank accounts. So, yes, back to the original question, USP, the core from day one is banking these crypto clients, but the opportunity is much, much bigger. And that's come from a breakdown in the banking system over many, many years. I'm going to dig into this a little bit more because um, this is actually a challenge or an issue that I've experienced firsthand with our companies. And the thing that the question that I have is actually what is the differential that you offer or what is the solution that you offer compared to other potentials in the market that are doing this and what I feel other potentials in the market that aren't doing this particularly well at this point in time. So kind sure. of how, what's your solution to the problem and actually potentially could you break down the problem a little bit further sure. for us? Um, I think, first of all, let's tackle um, and define what you call the, the potentials in the market. We know for a fact that there are no banks in the UK that are set up to, as a specialist bank, accept crypto companies. So right now, it doesn't exist. In terms of so-called competitors, there's no one in the UK that we know um, is out there looking to do what we're doing in the same way. The banks that people are going to, crypto companies in the UK are having to go offshore. They're having to go to small banks in strange and murky jurisdictions, or they're going to having to go to the US to some decent banks, which are regional banks that have set up and opened their arms to the crypto community. But it's very inefficient um, for a bank in the UK or sorry, a bank a company in the UK um, to have to go and do their banking in the US. That makes no sense. So we're there to be a, a local supporter and there'll be a lot of space in the future for more 
players to come into the space and do what we do. But we know for a fact, we've put, been told by actually the FCA that we are the only company with an application of this type in with the regulators at the moment. And so why is why hasn't something been done about this previously then? Um, so there's two parts to that. One is a reputational risk from pre-existing banks, but also it's a technological issue and the fact that traditional banks are not set up um, to have the technology, to have the KYC and AML in place that we will, that we're working for. We're building from the ground up and we're building to be able to service these companies. We're not trying to change old legacy back ends to try and fit into the new world. Sean, you probably have something to add to that. Yeah, no, I, I think you fit it on the on the head. Um, the the approach that we, we've seen from a lot of the traditional banks that there are there are potentially teams within them that might be interested in in digital or blockchain, um, but ultimately the, the core operating systems and, and the ethos don't have an, an interest in, in opening up to do something that's a little bit different from the day to day. And from our perspective, and given our experience in having uh, dealt with digital businesses and um, bank banked them in different jurisdictions, in, in most respects, they're actually cleaner in our view than than non crypto businesses uh, because we can trace everything. Um, a lot of people think of the blockchain as this uh, realm of of criminal activity, but it's it's exactly the opposite. Um, you can see, except in the privacy coins. Every single transaction that's ever happened, and you can you can do blockchain analysis to make sure that if you're going to take on a client, they're a good client. So, so what was the journey that got you guys individually or collectively into crypto then? Because it is it's quite a leap, and I know we progressively made it over a period of time ourselves. But it'd be good to get sort of your backstories as how how you stumbled into the rabbit hole. Right. So I've always been curious about it. I, I think there's a certain interest if, if you're in a sector to see what the next big thing is. Um, and in our perspective, I think everybody at TAG is, is, a, is a big believer that digital um, transformation is going to happen and a lot of assets will become digitized. And the whole sector of banking, including how not just the settlement, but the front end experience happens, will will have a, a complete change in the coming five or ten years. How this actually came about in, in form of a company um, my my previous company, being the first bank in the world to do this, did this because of basically a money laundering scandal, of all things. <laughs> um, it was uh, a bank that had been involved um, in one MDB, which is uh, if you if you Google it, it's 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 quite a big um, case. And uh, my, my London office had uh, nothing to do with this. We were acquired after all the transactions took place. Um, but the the uh, the after effect of this when it came public was the bank was basically on its knees. It, uh, it had suffered a big reputational hit. And the response uh, that the management team took was to say, okay, let's look at the future. We have to do some form of innovation and let's go for it. Let's give it a shot. And the reason I, I knew it was going to be a success was, was when the Swiss regulator, um, with the support of PwC as an external consultant, um, approved the, the proposition. I said, look, this is a, a great um, first step. And it, it hit all the papers, um, Bloomberg, t uh, um, BBC. Pe people had heard of, of, of this innovation. And I thought the UK should be doing this. 
So where are you up to at the moment then? What, um, what is the status of the, um, of the launch? Are you, do you have regulatory approval from uh, the FCA, so the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK, or um, are you going through that at the moment? And, and what are the steps, I guess, and timeframes um, and, and proofs and evidences that you need to, to put in place uh, to be able to get that license and, um, and be able to launch and operate? So we, we applied to the FCA sandbox last year to test the theories of what we wanted to do. We wanted to, to work with the regulator to make sure that they were comfortable with the approach we, we were taking. Um, uh, that was back in uh, October. We, we had initial discussions in September. And uh, we, we had quite a bit of dialogue back and forth. Um, and our, our proposal was basically that we were going to be operating both fiat and crypto assets on the same banking platform. And as we all know, crypto is not yet regulated. Um, so the approach we wanted to take is just to say, uh, we will treat it as if it's regulated um, using the same systems and controls, but uh, n not have um, uh, 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 a necessity necessarily to, uh, to uh, report it to the regulator if they don't want to see it. So we've set up basically two balance sheets. One is crypto, one is fiat. We can consolidate them and report separately if the, the regulator wishes. Uh, we we effectively exited the FCA sandbox without even going in. Um, at the end of it, um, they, uh, the recommendation was uh, to go straight to the PRA to apply for a new a new banking license. Um, given the experience of the team and having set up banks before, we think um, we, we took that as quite a positive thing. Um, we've submitted the regulatory business plan to uh, the the PRA, which is the 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 banking regulator, if you will, with the FCA. Uh, in the UK, and uh, we're going through that process now to go through um, uh, and get a banking license. Uh, I, I mentioned the deadlines before; are, are hoping to get um, uh, up up and running as a bank by end of this year. But that will be by what's called the mobilisation route. So we won't have full permissions to do every activity we we will do when we get the full banking approvals. We hope next year. Excellent. Just in time for the next explosion and bull run. And um, yes, you get everyone locked in before the crash uh, from 100k down to 10. Um, excellent. Um, so it's 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 great to hear stories of the UK sort of leading in this place or in this space, or at least taking really positive steps. It's really interesting to hear what you're saying about the regulators there, because I guess um, there's there's somewhat of a conflicted view of regulators. Some people see them as um, adversarials to be beaten and to sort of get one over on. Other people take the approach, actually, no, no, they're the good guys. They're looking after the customer. And as long as entities like yourselves are setting up, doing everything um, the right way to, to protect um, customer interest, then there's going to be no issues with regulation at all. So it sounds like you've already addressed that and struck the right balance with them. So, um, so well done, I guess, is my uh, is my comment there, rather than a question. Um, and we're done. That's a wrap. Yeah, <laughs> we've finished early. Um, but I was just keen to get your your take on um, on the fundraising um, side because I know um, Stephanie, I think this is your uh, an area of um, interest for you or of, of your sort of expertise. Um, I believe you just finished a CrowdCube raise. Um, is that uh, the only fundraising you've done to date was their previous rounds um, and what are the next uh, stages in the future um, to get you to where you need to be to launch? 
so that was our seed round and that was our, our first funding round. Um, the uh, founding partners self-funded the business for uh, the first year. We didn't want to just go and raise money on a, a whimsical idea. Um, you know, this time last year, as much as we believed in it and knew that uh, we could be filling a very big U-shaped hole in the market, we knew that we would have to make some actual steps and uh, show something tangible to potential investors uh, to get the right people on board. Um, so we started the seed round a few months ago. We raised uh, just over two million. As you mentioned, we we put the, the round through Crowdcube. Uh, that was a mixture of our own angel investors um, and also the crowd, obviously. Uh, we are going straight on to a Series A raise, which will be a, a much larger raise uh, at a obviously a higher valuation. Um, and uh, following that, we well, we are already revenue generating in some areas of the business. So um, we're not relying 100% just on funding rounds. We hope to be self-sufficient uh, sooner rather than later. So post this Series A, uh, we're not sure about our funding requirements after that. We don't necessarily need to do another round. Um, and uh, we know we can see this growing very, very quickly uh, with a view to even IPO in the next three to four years. And so how are you revenue generating if you don't have a banking license? That's a good question. Um, nothing untoward at all. Uh, obviously, the, the crypto side of the business, it, it, that is unregulated. What we're getting a banking license for is to actually be providing banking facilities, transactional services, lending um, facilities, uh, and giving people bank accounts, ideally self-clearing with the Bank of England. Uh, what we're doing already are uh, business areas that many other people are also doing, but we will um, be able to leverage uh, once we have our banking license and really scale up. So uh, the business areas at the moment that are, are up and running, one is an OTC trading desk. Another one is a lending product whereby we lend with a, a partner um, using their balance sheet. They're a regulated company both in the US and UK. And we lend uh, fiat against cryptocurrencies, against the top three. We lend 65% LTV. Um, and there's an arrangement fee and an interest rate locked in for two years. And we also work on a bespoke uh, basis as well for clients who are looking for shorter term offerings. Uh, another area of the business is our sister company, which is called Quince Capital. And this uh, is a direct investment platform for mainly family offices and ultra high net worth. So we are effectively raising equity um, for uh, growth capital for companies um, all over the world uh, who are looking for funding partners. Mm -hmm. So you, so there's actually many facets to that uh, to DAG. Yes, many, and there'll be many more. <laughs> so, it's a, it's a, sorry then. So the 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 thing that you're raising for specifically then is to build the bank aspect of that. It's to build the bank. Yes, those those other parts are, are you know they feed themselves. Um, but what we're raising for, especially with the Series A, uh, half of the raise will be regulatory capital. And can I ask a very stupid question? What does it actually take to build a bank? Because I'm imagining like some bulldozers run in, a big vault wheel rolls across <laughs> your vision and you start building an actual bank. What does it take to build a bank? I think Sean's best to answer that question, given that he's done it before. Um, that's, a, that's a very good question. And I, I think um, I, I got a very similar answer to that, uh, uh, as, as you just outlined once or twice, um, including from my grandmother. So... <laughs> Um, uh, the, um, I mean, the, the basic th three tenets of the bank are 
obviously the systems. So you need you need IT to, to run the core banking system and, and all the, the regulatory reporting and financial accounting and risk management. Um, the, the second is the, the systems and controls around that IT and all the procedures and policies that, that constitute how a bank should run. Um, we, we interface with these whenever we open up an account. Um, you go through a, a typical procedure for an account opening. Behind that sits a whole host of things um, that hopefully as a client you never see. But behind the scenes, you, you want to be there to make sure that the money is protected and, and the bank has a, has an understanding of, of, of um, what they're looking after as a client account. Um, and the third is the, the capital piece. So there's there's documents we need to set out to, to understand the capital requirements we have as a bank and also the liquidity requirements to be able to have enough money on account to, to satisfy whatever the clients are looking to do. Um, there's there's a lot more to it, and that's kind of stripped down. There, there is a building as well, um, but we're not really looking to be retail-facing, so there won't be branches. There'll be one office with, with a client suite, but um, we'll do most of the stuff um, uh, according to client needs uh, uh, online or at their offices. Excellent. I mean, the, the rate that this is um, is growing, this uh, the crypto and, and Bitcoin and blockchain space, I'm sure you'll have some kind of uh, fortress in the city uh, before too long. So, um, excellent. It'll be a Mayfair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, just um, one thing that we're really interested in, um, we wanted to sort of, uh, I guess, explore a bit more deeper what your philosophy is, either as an organization, and you can feel free to give us the party line, um, or um, Sean, you can dial off, and Stephanie, you can give us your views, and vice versa, <laughs> um, about what, um, what, what what are your views on, on Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, um, blockchain technologies, as both as kind of disruptive forces or and also as um, alternative means of finance and uh, and money um, could bitcoin be a, a new base money for the entire world um, how radical do you want to get what are your uh, what are your views philosophies thoughts on um, all of that um, discuss <laughs> maybe i'll start and stephanie yeah. you, can, you can add in um I mean, obviously, we're very keen on digital innovation, and we're, we are believers in the potential of what this can can um, can enable. Um, in terms of the three different types of digital assets, I think we have a view on on each one. Um, the, the the currencies, if you will, the bitcoins, um, uh, are the first type. The second type are the exchange tokens, the utility tokens that facilitate uh, access to like a voucher or a coupon to. Um, uh, uh, to, 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 to access a service or a good. And the third are the security tokens. Um, and I, I think the first, uh, we've seen the, the transformational power of Bitcoin and everybody's excited about it. Um, for us, Bitcoin's here, here to stay and we're, we're agnostic on which currencies come, come forth because we, we intend to work with all of them uh, except for the privacy coins because uh, we can't trace them. Um, but we're, we're very keen on seeing the digital assets um, be taken up by um, national governments. And there was a great report by Christine Lagarde last year uh, from the IMF about um, almost advocating that national governments uh, adopt digital currencies, um, which we think if, if that has happened, uh, say, say the UK does it, almost overnight it becomes uh, 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 one of the reserve currencies of the world, at least for the crypto space, um, because that compared to other stable coins, for example, is is backed by a national government. Um, so we're very keen to see how that evolves and takes shape, and we're, we're keeping our ears to the ground. 
Um, I, I think for utility tokens, we're, we're definitely interested in, in how they take shape, but probably as a bank, um, we're, we're, um, we're more interested in security tokens. And in terms of our philosophy, uh, one thing we haven't touched on is, is our vision, which Stephanie outlined of becoming a digital asset merchant bank. And what that means is once we can provide the initial banking facilities and build up a balance sheet um, for crypto companies where they can deposit fiat with us, we intend to use that balance sheet and reinvest back into SMEs uh, using digital debt and digital equity instruments to help them get growth capital. So Stephanie mentioned the business we're running today, uh, Quince Capital, uh, which is uh, an aim to connect businesses with families uh, to help them raise money. When we have our own balance sheet, we'll be able to, to do that ourselves and underwrite the digital debt and equity and use uh, the family office network, but also then the capital markets, which is, which is when the real transformational magic happens. Stephanie, anything to add there from a more radical perspective? Um, more radical. <laughs> I wasn't sure I'm the, I'm the radical one. I mean, people always assume that I'm um, a complete crypto nut, um, which is which is not the case. I, I believe in blockchain technology, um, but I'm more interested in, as aside from cryptocurrency, we're, I like to say that I'm more interested in the plumbing. Uh, people, uh, upon first glance, they misunderstand actually what DAG is or what we're trying to do. And they think that we're all about the coins. Um, and then when I explain to people, no, we're, we're actually just a regular bank in some ways, but we're just giving accounts to crypto companies. And people are very unaware of the institutional um, problems within the, the crypto world. So I wouldn't say that I'm too radical. I mean, I first came across uh, the B word, Bitcoin, um, probably about eight years ago, I was I was working on an extra derivatives trading desk. And the story came out, I think, on Bloomberg about the pizza guy spending 10,000 bitcoins um, on pizzas. And of course, few people on the desk who were the, the big gamblers at the time, like, what is this bitcoin? I'm going to buy some. And I really wish I had followed their lead at that point. Uh, but I but I didn't. So um, I'm much more interested and curious when it comes to the broader applications of blockchain. Uh, DAG, um, in uh, partnership with the APPG for blockchain last year, we released a report about various industry applications of blockchain. Uh, and I, um, I speak at various conferences. I was just at the European Blockchain Convention in Barcelona. Obviously, I was, uh, sorry, Barcelona was last year, Copenhagen last week. Um, I was there to talk about DAG and the banking side, but um, I went very tangential and I started talking about blockchain um, for uh, charities, blockchain for land registry, blockchain for health records, blockchain for diamonds, blockchain for fine art, because I find that whole space fascinating. Uh, and obviously, as a bank, we can expand, um, you know, as we're as I'm ready, launch into digital vaults, and we can be involved, um, you know, in, in this world as well, not just about, you know, giving people a fiat account to uh, transact between their crypto and their fiat currencies. So it's, it's, you know, the possibilities are endless. Excellent. So it sounds, um, not to put words in your mouth, that you're you're building a crypto uh, infrastructure on top of the existing system and integrating deeply with it rather than building um, an opt-out system. I guess if you want that opt-out system um, that uh, gets away from central banks and existing uh, infrastructure, just use Bitcoin, uh, just use privacy currencies and these other mm -hmm. things. But if you're yeah. more interested in, in integrating your banking operations and your day-to-day -day life um, with... Uh, I guess uh, an entity that blends the two worlds together, then DAG Global's sure. the, the choice. Yeah. 
Yeah, we want to be a bridge between the yeah. old and the new worlds. And we want to go actually back to the, you know, a, a very traditional merchant banking model, uh, but by using 21st century digital instruments to do so. And you t- so going back and then you, t- you talked earlier about the unbankable. Why you why is the focus predominantly on those that are related to crypto rather than the broader unbankable in business? Well, day one, the focus is on crypto because that's where there's actually an emergency in the system. The emergency is that there are plenty of very legitimate, very successful companies having to go offshore, um, facing all sorts of issues, uh, whether it's transactional issues, uh, extortionate fees, because they're being taken advantage of. Uh, And these companies... Uh, a lot of them being UK companies, they need to have uh, a bank here that can facilitate their needs. So that's the urgency. Um, And then growing out from that, we can prove the model from day one with the crypto companies. And then we can look to build out the merchant banking side using, for example, digital bonds, digitization of equity to go into the broader SME space. Sean, anything to add to that? I think you did very well. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Great feedback. Um, So from... um, 10 out of 10. (laughs) So from an end-to-end uh, perspective as a uh, organization trying to set up an account with you, are there any other um, end-to-end efficiencies that you can deliver because you're starting from scratch? And I think my understanding is that there can be as much as a three to six month lead time between uh, approving loans, mortgages, or uh, or other sort of getting other banking arrangements in place. Does Is there anything that um, blockchain technology, digital asset integration um, gives you as a competitive edge, or is actually that just a result of re-architecting the system from the ground up and being able to start afresh? It's it's a really interesting um, uh, question, and I think it's something that uh, from day one, uh, given that our focus is on speed to market, just in getting the systems up and running, we probably will have a view towards um, doing some pretty interesting things in, in the near future, but the, the basics will be um, uh, what, what we focus on. In terms of the, the potential and what, what we see happening, um, obviously being digital, uh, it can be real time. Um, and we see in the fiat space, settlement times can take several days. Um, and if you can digitize uh, a fiat currency, say, say that initial example I gave with the national government having a digital coin, or use a stable coin, uh, the, the idea of a settlement in real time also for fiat becomes possible. Um, and that reduces a huge amount of risk in the system for um, delays in processing, etc. In, in terms of the operational benefits you outlined for, say, loan applications or approvals for um, structuring things, uh, we, we think that's where the real value add will be, but probably not from uh, an industry perspective right away. Um, we think payments is probably the first area that, that really needs to, to improve. Um, and the, the structuring of, of bonds and equity, uh, we're seeing now take shape on initial levels in sandbox activities around the world. Um, but there's as yet no major exchange that's listing, say, a digital bond. Um, so our intention is to work with uh, partners, as many as we can, that are leaders in each of these respective fields and just provide them, as Stephanie said, uh, plumbing or infrastructure to, to let them uh, do their innovation. So so if we were if we were to take the conversation on to the current status quo, in my mind, is this not a particularly uh, risky venture moving into or creating a new bank, uh, a, a new bank structure kind of traditionally on a new infrastructure? 
um, when there's so much talk around a massive global um, bubble that's happening that we're heading towards the next great financial crisis. Is this is this the wrong time to be launching a bank? Is the is the question I have. I mean, when is the right time? I think um, to a certain extent, uh, we think that adversity or, or challenges where the most interesting things uh, come out. Um, we, we think digital assets are here to stay and a player that can help them grow, um, even if there's turmoil in the rest of the economy, will have a space. Um, we're hoping to see that, uh, of course, if there is any, any downturn in the economy, that um, we're definitely in it for the long haul ourselves. And we think that we'll be able to, to ride through because we've been building, as Stephanie mentioned, the business on a bootstrap. We've been funding ourselves. We're not building up huge costs. And if the market uh, forces us forces us to continue to be uh, mindful of the, the bottom line, we, we will do so. Um. So t- so taking that onto the global uh, the the current global economic status, what what are your takes on it? What are your views on it? Because it's something that we end up inevitably discussing quite a lot. And I think there's um, a lot of uncertainty, and that's obviously stemming from, especially in the UK, our, our current political situation. Uh, but that's a whole other podcast, which I'll uh, lead you to find other <laughs> better place candidates for. Um, um, but even that, in a way, is has been in our favour to some extent. Um, obviously, we're working with the regulators, uh, which are government bodies, and the UK realises that they're in a situation where we need to, as a country, be innovating. We need to be moving forward. Um, and I would speculate that that is one of the many reasons, um, not just our, our team and our calibre and our experience, but uh, the need for innovation within the UK at the moment and driving businesses forward, that the regulators have been so uh, open to what we're doing um, and have been very friendly up until this point and um, very um, supportive in our applications thus far. Excellent. And I think um, to, to your point uh, earlier, Sean, as well, I think um, there's so much innovation here and so much um, testing of where this technology can take us. And again, I think you, you mentioned it as well, Stephanie, there's there's so many different permutations of, of where blockchain technology could take us, where digital assets could change the system that we just don't know what's, uh, what the future is going to be. We know that there's disruption around the corner. So on one hand, yes, there could be a global economic downturn around the corner. But on the other hand, if that happens and you're in the middle of launching um, a disruptive, lean, agile uh, bank, it may may work perfectly in your favour. So um, that's great. And one of the areas that I always think is ripe for disruption is kind of the, the post-trade settlement. So smart contract based, you know, the, the traders and the algo um, machines are doing their work. They execute that. And instead of being post-trade plus three days for, for settlement, actually, you could do that in minutes with a smart contract. Um, and it's all verifiable and um and auditable on the blockchain so um and just i mean just throwing ideas out there for you guys to uh, to conquer more of the um the industry but um Don't great so <laughs> excellent good to hear it um so uh we are sort of um slightly running out of time from our perspective here um one thing that we really wanted to ask you uh before we threw it over to you to see if there's anything um burning that you wanted to discuss as well was what the next six to 12 months look like i think you've you've covered that time frame from uh from now until uh getting your license um how are you planning to to build out that business what's your go-to-market plan for attracting either more liquidity or clients and and just getting the name uh dag global out there um 
Thank you. Uh, we're, we're definitely thinking through uh, almost a, a day-to-day basis how, how we want to roll out. Um, to, to build a bank uh, in this time frame is, uh, the, the last time I did this took about 12 months, and we're looking to do this in, in a, quite a tight time frame now. Um, so we're, we're tightly managing that. Um, and in terms of the, the client side, what we've done right now is just have basically a list of what we're calling the friends and family. Uh, we've, we've built this bottom up, people that we know that uh, would would enjoy having a UK bank account to have an onshore facility for, for banking. Um, and our intention is to work with them um, almost on a stealth basis. We don't want to necessarily market uh, until we're fully ready and tested. Uh, when we get the, the agreement with the regulator to make sure that our products are fit for purpose. Um, and that then will give us, we hope, the scale and, and, and comfort in our procedures to go out to market. Uh, we don't actively anticipate servicing or targeting the SME sector more, more broadly uh, until we really have a balance sheet. Um, to take on an SME client uh, from scratch, it's, it's a really big market. Um, right now, we're just, we're just a minnow, um, and you need to spend and have a brand name. And, and people will, I, I think, hopefully look to us once we have a, a good base of crypto companies to, to, to approach and, and then um, more generally go after that, that, that um, client requirement. Excellent. And uh, before we bring the session to a close, is there anything that we haven't asked that we should have asked that is uh, front and center or that you, you want to offer um, that's going to be uh, key for you over the next two to three months? I think just generally we're, we're very excited, um, particularly to see the growth in the different companies in the space. We're, we're avid listeners uh, to you guys, um, and we keep our ears around to see what, what other people are doing. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff happening, and we're, we're excited to be at the call phase. Very nice. Well, it, and it's been amazing having you guys on. It's great to, um, being UK-based, it's always great to hear about new UK companies championing the forefront of this space. So, um Definitely from the both of us, we're wishing you the best of luck with everything and hopefully we'll stay close over the coming months and years and look forward to all your great successes. But before we disappear, it's 2020, 2021. You've got the FCA around. You've got all the other crypto banks. The challenger banks are kind of queuing up outside to try and get involved. Uh, Funds are there. You're having a launch party. You're having a barbecue to celebrate. What are the one or two things that you would bring to keep people happy? Hmm. Well, it's 2021, so we might already be drafting our IPO papers. So we could be using those for paper plates um, (laughs) in in terms of what's going to be there to keep people happy. Um, Unfortunately, Sean is a vegetarian, so a little bit limited (laughs) in terms of what we can serve. But uh, Sean, what would be uh, what would you serve up? I think tofu and burgers. Here we come. We've nice. we've had I, um, we've had plenty of meats and even a cake, so um, so <laughs> some vegetables would be much appreciated. I think. I think I'll um, I'll also concoct some sort of signature DAG cocktail as well for everybody. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, it's surprising how few, how many how few people have said they'd actually bring alcohol. Oh, <laughs> just me then. Cranberry, Gram- <laughs> amaretto, and gin, maybe. Mm. I don't know whether that would work, um, mm. but we'll leave it there. Um, Excellent. Well, look, um, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, we wish you the best of luck. Hopefully we'll see you on a billboard somewhere around London soon. Uh, If you're listening to this, you are the resistance.